This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Have you ever fucked till morning? Yes. You have? In like college when I was like fucking hammered out of my mind. I was going to say, I don't have, and I'm not old. I am in my 20s. Yeah. Same. Barely. And I'm holding on by a thread, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And I I just don't have the energy to fuck till the daylight and let me say this Mackenzie when I was fucking till the daylight I like was not having orgasms with other people yeah what are we what are we doing no no no. I mean like here's the thing and let's and let's tell it like it is I'm coming (laughs) within the first 15 minutes of sex at fucking max you're a Tammy two two I'm a Tammy two comes I come very quickly I also like would I didn't start having fuck I guess we're just jumping right in let's just jump right in I haven't I didn't start having orgasms with a partner until like my Last girlfriend. week? No, also LOL. No, like it wasn't. I had sex with like a few people before I like found yeah. somebody that I could. I I was in like a long term committed relationship with like not and, my first girlfriend. And faking it every night? No, the, not until she, I was coming with her, but my f- other girlfriend, I was not. I was also like, you know, were younger. You, were you faking it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was younger, I was like, I was raised on, you know, straight media and pornography. Yeah. So I was like not understanding that like sex was supposed to be more of like can enjoying, I- like you can have like a longer experience. I thought it was like you start having sex and then you come super loud within the first two minutes or you're not having sex. I think we, we are really just popping into Sorry, it. Sorry, y'all. This is almost like an after dark, but. <laughs> I think as we just recorded an after dark, we're already like. In it. Yeah. Here's my theory. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, and this is not for everyone, but I would say in my personal experience and a lot of queer women that I know, Mm -hmm. we faked or had a lot of inauthentic sexual experiences. Oh, so inauthentic. Closeted, right? So we had a lot of our first experiences were us in our head, either kind of talking ourselves through it or kind of like almost, I, I see my sexual experiences when I was closeted as like me trying very hard to be straight mm-hmm. and trying very hard to enjoy the activities that I was doing because that's what I saw everyone else was doing and yeah. I saw in movies. So a lot of my, you know, very early on sexual experiences, even though like my first, you know, like when I was like in the closet trying really hard to enjoy making out with men, yeah. uh, a lot of those experiences are tied to me being like, so this is how girls act when they're doing sexy things. I totally get that. So then when I started actually having sex for me, mm-hmm. I had a lot of like old habits that I literally had to outgrow. I was like, oh wait, sex 
I thought a lot of sex was like to make somebody else feel good about themselves because I think a lot of women are raised that like sex is for guys and it's a gift that you give them begrudgingly. Yeah. So when I started having sex, that was for me, I had to unlearn like, Oh wait, this is for no one else, but us in this room to like have the best time with each other. Yeah. And so like I was having performative fake horny orgasms yeah that were like very inauthentic and also insane insane but i also think that that's not necessarily like a queer thing i think that that's just women in general and young women young women having like this idea of what sex looks like absolutely by porn that we've grown up on yes because I, i think that's a universal experience that women have when they are young is to be like inauthentic and performative yeah. and you're not there to necessarily enjoy yourself and relax. Yeah. And it's almost like anxiety filled. Yeah. We have to get this man off. Or that's what I think is one of the most interesting part of it as well, which mm-hmm. I like, I think that a lot of sex, sorry, we posted something and now here we go. Uh, I think that like, because I, I think part of what I enjoy about my sex life now is, you know, the like love love stuff of course but like making somebody else come is like so much it makes it turns me on so much that i like can't fathom it yeah whereas when i was like closeted and like having sex as a younger person in my like teenage years and younger 20s i thought that sex wasn't to make somebody feel good sexually was to make them feel good like power wise or ego wise i was like i want them to feel like um which i think is just such a weird thing that we're taught as women where then when i started like when i started to like have sex with women Mm -hmm. i had to like basically unlearn what everything you learn sex is it's through the lens of like media a guy taking something from a woman who's giving it to them yeah yeah. or like it is transactional in some senses but in some cases i should say yeah but for the most part it should be two people coming together having fun enjoying themselves totally whether without pressure exactly it is all just like and that's where i think we're getting into like the beauty of like a free woman yeah or the beauty of a a queer relationship, queer or you know what, beyond queer, a non-heteronormative sex life mm-hmm. in general, regardless of, you know, identities and sexualities and whatever, what have you. Yeah. When we have two or more people fucking for the sake of pleasure coming and having connection, mm-hmm. now we're like, oh right. The only people in this room are the only people that matter. Yeah. And then it's like, then you're not fucking with your ego. And this is what I did talk about in therapy so much. I love that. (laughs) What I wanted, I just, I hope that those two boys in high school don't actually think I came. And that is the shit as well. I I just want them to know. I want them to know that I faked it. And I want the few women that I slept with to know that it wasn't because they were good or bad. (laughs) It was because I had... I used to like, this is crazy, but now I'm like really thinking about the sex that I had like freshman year of college where I was either, I had decided before I had even taken my clothes off that Mm -hmm. I was like, this is as far emotionally as I'm going to go. And I was like, I'm not going to come and there I'm going to like make sure they come and I'm going to go home. Yeah. And like, that was like a long, it was a very like, I, I a young way of thinking, which is. is like, it's so interesting to see what being closeted and raised as a woman in the United States can do to your sexuality is like very interesting. Well, I think because that type of sex is the sex that like, 
oh, I can talk about it. Right. It's not sex for the, it's sex for the experience yeah. and to brag about it. It's not sex for either of you in the room that Exactly. That when you're like, I think also I so desperately wanted to have so many more experiences that I couldn't have because the one girl that I was sleeping with was mm-hmm. so scared that really? anyone would know or that any, or that she was gay or that she like, we we would only be allowed to do things and then not talk about it, mm-hmm. which is why I think if you look at me now, which is somebody who like... Now you're not, the opposite. I'm, now you don't... You're not sexually active and you talk <laughs> about it all the time. <laughs> Truly. I like <laughs> talking about sex for me mm-hmm. feels like reassuring of who I am yeah. because it was so ingrained in me to be like, you don't talk about the sex that you're having or, or you're going to, you know, in be trouble. in trouble. Yeah. So now it's like, obviously I have a podcast where I talk about my sex life constantly. At nauseum. Because it's liberating. Yeah. Because queer people have been shat on and shoved into closets. A lot of our childhood has. So listen, what I'm saying is I'm a hero. Yeah. And the sex that I have is basically a political statement. <sighs> and no, I don't fuck till the daylight. <laughs> in conclusion. That's it for our episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Two Dykes and a Mic. I'm Mackenzie Goodwin. I'm Rachel Scanlon. We just filmed a TikTok and I kinked my neck. I was, I, well, I was on your neck. I put all of my weight on your body. And let me say a few things. Huh. Number one, your ass, cushy. It's cushy. And it's nice. I know. Number two, you don't weigh that much. Thank you. And I think you might have actually unkinked my neck. Is that it? Yeah. I think I kinked mine. Fascinating. So we both got something we needed. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, dude. How the fuck are you? I'm good. I mean, I've spent all day with you, so this has been a dream come true. I'll tell you what. I'm hitting my stride right now. Are you? Are you coming back? I'm actually hitting... I think talking about sex that I had in college is, like, reinvigorating me, and I'm feeling very good. For the listeners that are listening, uh, Rachel and I went to brunch this morning with two other queer girls that are just dream come true. They're girls that we ha- we took with us on the road. So if you ever saw us at El Rio in San Francisco or Sacramento, if you ever saw us out on the road in period, Portland, we were pretty much always with these two girls. They toured with us. Hannah Einbinder and Maviola. And we finally got to reunite since COVID and we had gay brunch and it was the fucking best. Yeah. There's nothing like it. And in fact, next week we are going to review Hannah's new show on HBO max called hacks. She is the lead of that show. Yeah. Which is crazy. Her God. and Jean smart, which is, uh, it's, uh, an amazing show. We already watched a little bit of it, but we're going to review it in full next week. We're very, very excited. I think so next week we'll review the first four episodes. So if you've only watched the first two or you haven't at all, make sure you catch up. We are going to be reviewing hacks HBO. We're very excited. Also, Hannah gets to play a queer comedy writer. Exactly. I'm very excited. Very much her. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, this is very exciting. I'm also full of French toast and coffee. So I feel a little jacked up. Good. Because we got, boy, do we have an episode for you boy, this Boy, do we. I have something to tell you, but first, should we just do a Queer of the Week and bust it out? Bust it out, because we got some good content We really up. do. Here we go. Hey, guys. I've been a longtime listener and have loved your Queer of the Week bent since the start. I've been wanting to nominate this dyke for years now, but I've been waiting for this very special moment to do so. My partner and best friend, Tabitha, has a birthday. She's celebrating on May 25th. I know hearing a happy birthday from y'all would make her scream her gay head off. Mm-hmm. I never thought in a million years I'd ever meet, let alone fall in love with somebody as optimistic, adventurous, and exciting to grow and change right along with, with me as she is. She just finished her first semester of undergrad and is taking a, f- a few years off to travel the world. She's been putting a lot of work and energy into preparing for the day as she comes out to her less than accepting dad. Oh. I'm so proud of her. And she made it all look so easy, even though I know it hasn't been. 
We all joke all the time about living the rest of our lives together, like we're the opposite of lesbian Hugh Haulers dating exclusively for nine months but making it official. <laughs> but that was our fate. I couldn't ask for a better person, and I hope that you make her Queer of the Week. She's my Queer of the Year. Happy birthday, T. Also, it's worth noting that she is the one who introduced me to the pod. We both love you so much, and we can't wait to see you live. Come back to Boston. Ooh. Wow. I love that. Um, so for happy birthday to you, Tabitha. And also, you guys are so cute. This is how it works, right? You start dating somebody, and they're like, I love this podcast. And then you listen together, and then you fuck, and you think about us while you're having sex with each other. T sounds like such a great person. We love you so much. Also, huge... I mean, like, kudos to you for coming out to family members when it's challenging. That is so hard. And we uh, think you're great. I love that Also, so they're much. hot. I included pictures. I already looked at them. They're not in this doc, but they're hot as fuck. They always are. They're so They cute. always are. All of our people are bringing some stuff that I like a lot. Bring the action. Do you remember that? Do it. Oh, God. Bring the action. <laughs> when I'm up in the club, are you going to turn the shit up? up? To turn the shit up. I fucking love the BEPs and Britney Spears. Top two. Easy. Do it again. Do one more impression of it. When I'm up in the club, <laughs> you're going to turn the shit up. So we have a Bumble Fumble this week. Are you ready for it? I am obsessed with these. Also, if you guys have Bumble Fumbles that you want us to read uh, with on the podcast, you can email us at twodogsandamike.com. We're also accepting audio messages. If you have a question, a queer of the week, an Ask a Dyke or a Bumble Fumble, you want to hear it, we're doing that on Patreon. You're going to want to check that out. This week, I actually showed one of my own sex toys that I broke during sex. So you're going to want to definitely get on that. Yeah, we do have a lot of bumble fumbles and all that on Patreon. It's actually pronounced boomble foomble. And we have a new one here for you, part one. I've been out of the dating game for a while now, so this is a historical fumble. It only occurred a couple years ago when I was just a 22-year-old, freshly out-of-the-closet baby gay. I was talking to a girl, let's call her Kate, on Tinder, and we both happened to be super drunk and horned up one night. We tried to meet up at a bar, but were unable to due to our intoxication and probably poor geography skills. So instead, we decided we would meet up for a hungover breakfast the next morning as our first date. Obviously, a foolproof plan. She showed up to this date unkempt and unwashed from the night before. This was obviously disappointing, but fair since we had agreed to meet up hungover. She also showed up a half hour late. Shockingly, the breakfast ended up being not terrible, and we agreed to go out for a dinner date later that week. Part two. The day before our date, she asked me if we could go to a comedy show with her friends instead of going out for supper. I absolutely should have said no to this, but she was really hot and I had no self-confidence back then. What's wrong with a comedy show? Yeah, right. What's that supposed to mean? Cut to the night of the comedy show. Kate was practically ignoring me for most of the night and was very obviously in love with one of her friends. On top of that, her friends all really sucked and were <laughs> super rude. And on top of that, there was this random guy who uninvited ended up sitting at our table and hitting on Kate the entire time. Jesus Christ. After the show, Kate invited me to go back to her place to hot tub. Again, I should have said no because at this point she showed no redeeming qualities other than being a smoke show. But I was so pumped at the prospect of being in a hot tub with a girl that I said yes. Fuck, I know. I know. And you're like, fine, I'll get a UTI. Part three. So as we're leaving the show, the dude that was at our table, 
asked Kate if he could come back to her place with us. And she said yes. Excuse me? Despite my better judgment, all three of us ended up at her apartment. When we got there, we all smoked weed and Kate gave this weird dude a pair of teeny Lululemon shorts to wear on a hot tub. After doling out the swimwear, Kate disappeared into her room for a solid half hour for no verified reason. While she was in her room, the weird dude, who I learned was extremely skinny and hairy, spent the whole time cleaning the kitchen shirtless in his devastatingly tiny shorts while complaining about what a mess the apartment was and bragging about how great of a dishwasher he was. (laughs) I wanted nothing more than to leave this wild situation with a small, hairy, strange man, but at this point, I was way too high to drive home. Part four. After a couple of hours of uncomfortable hot tubbing and Nintendo playing with hot Kate and Harry man, I finally left. However, I was still quite high and ended up having to sleep in my car outside her apartment to sober up. Oh my God. Jesus. After a three hour nap in a sketchy downtown parking lot, it was 6 a.m. and I had to drive straight to work. This was by far one of the most horrifying nights of my little gay life. Luckily, after this night, I slowly learned to say no and not pull myself through literal hell just for the chance of seeing a hot girl in a bikini. Yes. You guys are the best. Hannah. Okay, Hannah, let me just say that, like, I am over here highly relating to this. Like, I feel like I used to just not be able to say no to, like, possibly being around, like, a girl. And I would just get in like horribly unsafe situations that I was like, why am I sleeping in a tattoo parlor? Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) It's a lesson that we all have to to learn. It really is. I think that a lot like we, our judgment goes out of the window when a girl shows interest. Right. When when an, an attractive girl even bats an eye at me, I drop everything I'm doing. Truly. I mean, not not anymore, but if I, dead tired in my bed retainer on tits out of three sports bras and a hot girl was like hey i like maybe thinking about hanging out later i would put on like a four-piece tuxedo (laughs) and run across like scorching hot fire if she was just like sorry you have to walk across this like there's hot coals everywhere i'm on the other side i'd be like i'm coming i'm coming don't go don't go You have to, like, learn the amount of my life that I have changed for a possibility of a date. Of maybe. Or not even a date, just seeing them. Just to hang out. Just to hang out. And it's strictly platonic. And I'm, like, having a crush on her. I have moved heaven and earth (laughs) to go on dates with girls or, like, hangs. I've canceled funeral appointments. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have an appointment at a funeral? (laughs) I have, like... Almost ruined friendships to I've driven hundreds of miles. Yes. Dropped babies. Yes. Plans, Mm -hmm. appointments, dentists. Like I started an entire podcast because I thought a girl was hot. Dude. Cool. (laughs) Oh, it wasn't you. (laughs) 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 The amount of things I feel like, yeah, we've moved heaven and earth for to possibly. Yes. See a boob. That is, it's, I think the it's most relatable thing. In I think the that's world. the lesbian, <laughs> yeah. like, 
experience that p- straight people aren't talking about. It's, They're like, yes, they do long distance. Yes, they like move in quickly. But I'm like, you don't understand that like actual queer people after being closeted and not getting these experiences with women yeah. and us having such a small community, we will do anything for less. Actually, I would do so much. I remember like having a crush on someone and it would be a group hang. Oh, and I would yeah. like think, oh, they might be there. And I would move, literally, I would cancel work. Yeah. I would, like, be getting my hair done that day, mm-hmm. doing my nails. Truly. And then would show, and then they wouldn't be there. And I'd be like, well, this ruined my whole month. Listen to this. Yeah. And I want you to know that this is something that I regret to this day. Yeah. I made my best friend in the whole world mm-hmm. drive my car so that I could drink with a girl that I liked to drive us to Madison from Milwaukee, two-hour car drive. Stop. So that we could be at a nightclub that she wanted to go to because she wanted to have sex with a different person there. Are you serious? Yes. And so she, my best friend drove us there so that I could party with this girl, even though she was going not for me so that I could drink. And then when she drove us all the way back to Milwaukee on the same night, but we all threw up in the car or not the the other girl did. Did she hook up with this other person? No, I hooked up with that person <gasps> to make her try yes. to have sex with me. <laughs> that is not how this works. Ray, that's not how this works. I fucked the girl that she wanted to fuck so that the girl that I liked would maybe have sex with me. And in that time, made my best friend so mad at me that I had to write her an apology card. Yeah. I mean, like, we still talk about it to this day. I'd be pretty About how it. mean I was. And I ignored my best friend. And I also, like, the car was disgusting. Yeah. That's fucked. It was. Uh, That's fucked up. And I was like, f- so that maybe this girl who had a boyfriend and was trying to sleep with a different girl would like Give maybe you a da- little maybe attention. dance with me <laughs> so that she could maybe dance with me. That yeah. sucks. But there's like, I think people don't. It's like you got to learn that like the world is full of people that want to have sex yeah. with you. And this is what crushes will do. Oh, and, we, and we've talked about this. Was that there on, is nothing worse. Was that on a, a Patreon episode? Was that Patreon? I forget which I episode it was. was, but that was maybe the funniest conversation we've ever had. How I like love having crushes and how you would rather actually die. Be murdered. Than no, ha- nobody I've ever had a crush on knows. That's hysterical. I'd rather die. Hey, do you have a crush on me? No. If I did, you'd never know. See, that's where I'm like, if, whatever. I think you learned a good lesson. Thank you for that bumble fumble. It really reignited all the dumb shit that I've done. And also, how many times have you listened to girls that are hot talk about their boyfriends in hopes that one day they they go, but you've always been so nice to me. I've listened to too many stories. Yeah. You've always been a shoulder to cry on. Dude, that sucks. Is that my legacy? I think that that's what queer women get in trouble with is we like somebody who is usually fawning over somebody else. This and longing. Yes. They are longing for somebody else and you're longing for them. So you are a pork shoulder to cry on. <laughs> <laughs> and then they are just like, they friend zone you immediately. Cause you're like, yeah, like that sucks that <laughs> they're doing that to you. And it's like you friend zone yourself immediately. Right. Cause you're talking to them about somebody else sexually. To be forever choosing to be going for the people that are so unattainable yeah. and so uninterested. They're so not interested so in straight. you. Yeah. The, 
the like the complex of the lesbian needing to be with the straight person or the person that not even straight they're just literally not sexually attracted to you or yeah. they are your friend they they, they are just your friend they're literally just your friend yeah listen there i've done a lot of therapy to undo that but there's something that i think that needs to be learned by the lesbian community i definitely i think in the past couple of weeks have been learning that and learning that like you have to keep your podcast hosts in one thing and your lovers in another <laughs> you learned that in the past few weeks just like the past two <laughs> i have to just know that that you and i won't be we'll never be, be more than podcast hosts we're only friends I want to let everyone know that we have gotten a sponsor for Rachel's Toolbox. So Rachel next week is going to start all new Rachel's Toolboxes. I'm really excited to fuck with a purpose. I hope I wonder that if this is how straight people feel when they're trying to make a baby. Probably. You, you are fucking for a podcast now. Yeah. You are being sponsored to have sex for a goal. And yeah. that goal is information. Yeah. And that goal is entertainment. It's and entertainment, but information. I am a sex worker in you my are. own way. I, I'm just so excited to, one, get you new material. Me too. I'm really excited to have new segments for Rachel's Toolbox. I know everyone's been missing it, and I'm really excited to bring it back. And I think it's important. I'm like, let's do queer sex toys. Let's fucking party. I can't wait. So this week, we reviewed season three of Shrill. Uh, it starts at 80 Bryant. It is on Hulu for free if you have a subscription. And it is... So funny. I don't know if you saw season one or two, right? Season one or two. I've watched all of the seasons. Yeah. And the first two seasons, although they are really good, very challenging to watch because of the character Annie's choices. relationship with Ryan. Yeah. And it's it's frustrating to watch a woman make such horrible decisions. Yeah. And he, I mean, there's obviously they chose for him to be a huge piece of shit. Yeah. But it's hard to watch. Yes. So for this review, we are definitely going to be focusing on the relationship between Fran mm-hmm. and M, right? Yeah. Who uh, are the queer couple of the show. And Fran is Annie's roommate. And then obviously we were introduced to M last season or the end of season two, I think. Yeah, I don't remember. And uh, this, by the way, this cast all the way through is like queer through and through. We, Patty Harrison is in it. And we are crushes. upset. Also like... Season, I think honestly, Patty Harrison kept me watching Shrill. Yeah, when like that's what carried me through. Yeah, how fucking funny they gave her some of like these, yes. but bonkers lines. Like she's a Patty is a gay villain in the show, yeah. and I love it. I love Patty Harrison. Yeah, she is so funny. And then we also have Gabe, the guy who plays Gabe, who is the I know Gabe from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. So whenever I see John Cameron Mitchell in anything, my like gay heart gets very happy and you know, all the way through. So we have like huge, a lot of fun. And in season three, we actually see a large part. So I know we will review shows or movies that will have side queer relationships that are, I'm not saying that that's bad or good, that every show needs to have a, huge queer relationship that hinges on this like beautiful romance for their whole show. Mm -hmm. But a lot of other shows that we've read will have them. And they're like, to me, it feels like I'm glad that they're there, but there's nothing really to be said. There's not really much going on. They are just there. And that's also still good. Mm -hmm. This though, I feel like it, we really saw because of the flashbacks and back into college, we got to see Fran realizing who she is Mm -hmm. and because we also then saw 
them go meet parents yeah we saw a lot more going on yes. and so that's kind of what i want to focus on in this review of season three of shrill first we have like fran realizing in college that she's queer mm-hmm. which was like really fun to watch i agree in my opinion yeah and she's overall just an amazing character she's a diamond yeah. i mean she is so much fun to watch and when, i like her a ton she's yeah, so like when we get to see the b or c story that she's in it is some of the best writing and i think that it's just it's so much fun to get a break from that a story yeah. and go into her little world and because which is, we're in we, season three we're yeah. watching them grow so yeah. we're watching fran now in a committed relationship with somebody and growing as in like it, her workplace has changed yep. she's getting to be more adult right and i love that and i like that too and we get to see when M decides that she wants to kind of like that we have these conversations where Fran is talking about what it's like to have like a multicultural identity mm-hmm. when you're dating a white partner yeah. and what that kind of looks like. Right. And she has, Fran has this conversation at her new job in her workplace with that guy who's on those other HBO shows. Julia Torres. Ch- yes. Yeah. And so they're talking about how like white Americans love to be like, tell me about your culture. Yeah. And it was very fun to see this done through the eyes of like two queer, not American people yeah. being like, I mean, that conversation was hysterical. Yes. Like, just give them a little something. You have to tell your like white American partner, like a little something <laughs> yeah. to give them like a little spice. Yeah. And I thought that that was like, well, he's a gem. First off, he's amazing. He's uh, also queer, yeah. which I love. And his, um, his special, his is special is so, so funny. Fun. So you do have a lot of SNL people in this. Yeah. And I, I love that they put him with her character yes. because she's kind of a straight character mm-hmm. in many ways. She's not this like outlandish, crazy, like Julio is. Yeah, she's grounded. Exactly. Yeah. So I do love her workplace as a very fun uh, way to get some. Yes. Comedy. Yeah. And then we get it and we get it through like, and we also know that like this, we know some of the writers on this show and we love to like book them on our shows. And like, it's very fun to see that like, okay, this show is also has like a great writer's room, which you can feel in the queer, very queer, very queer in a very funny writer's room. So when we have like these characters talking about like, you have to give your white partner just a little bit. And like, I think that it's hysterical to me. My girlfriend's also first generation and I'm like, Cause it, it, yeah, it hits home with you. You have a lot that you can relate to with this. Yes. Where I, f- well, I feel like I can relate a lot to M's character. Yeah. Although my family is not rich and I'm mad that they're not. I fucking wish they were. M, by the way, is very seamlessly non-binary in this show. Yeah. Which I think is super fucking fun. Mm-hmm. And when we have Fran go home to M's house. Yeah. And we see that M's parents Comes live in this money. gigantic house and still seamlessly has her own like trials and tribs with (laughs) tries and tribs with being rich. But also at the same time, Fran is able to poke fun at like, Oh, I'm sorry. Is it hard that you have your own horse? Yeah, exactly. Was like done really well. I love their relationship. I think it's a breath of fresh air for this show. And they're hot. And, but it also shows like they are the biggest couple in the show. I would say. You know, like the strongest. It almost oh, feels yeah. like they are the bedrock of the show. Well, they're the most secure exactly, relationship yeah. that is moving forward. And I love to see that for queer relationships. Because usually in a show, mm-hmm. the queer relationships are the ones that are like the rockiest. Yeah. Or they're and, like, uh-oh, some, now it's like, the, who has to come out? And exactly. then one dies. Like their relationship 
issues. Well, they're a great relationship and their issues are very relatable. Yeah. I loved it. Like I thought it was great too. And we got to meet Fran's mom over the phone. I'm like, all of it was, I cried my eyes out when they said, I love you to each other. I thought that their episode, so yeah, we got to see Fran coming out of the closet. We get to meet M's family and have that like awkwardness of the dad really not knowing or mispronouns, right? Like doing yeah. the wrong pronouns for M. And we are dealing with these issues in a way that didn't seem like, oh no, now we're going to have to do, like it all felt like very it well done. It wasn't super contrived. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's natural. It's good. You can tell it's written by like queer people. Yeah. My favorite episode and my favorite scene of this whole season, and all of it was really fun for me, was when they decide that they want to film themselves having sex. Mm -hmm. Fran and Em were like, let's do it. And they're like, yeah, let's do it, right? Yeah. And they film it, Mm -hmm. and they watch it, and they're like, oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) I I think that that is so relatable yep to be like i know that we're gonna be hot like when you're in your head and you're in the moment yeah you're like hell yeah we're fucking crushing the hottest it. two people that have ever existed exactly we're and then, made to be watched and then you watch it back and you're like dear lord burn the phone you're well and i think you and i have also discussed that when we're done having sex yeah. as like very white irish people we look like hell we look like hell we look i look like a sweaty old ground piece of meat that has been hit by a car uh bad it's not good. Two days ago, roadkill. But I also, as a narcissist, am yeah. fast. And, and my partner, Nazara, is always like, maybe someday. And? To keep me around, I think. Yeah. To be like, she'll stay. She'll stay. But you guys, you audio taped yourself. Yeah. And that, I bet that's hot. That's really hot. See, I, I would love to hear myself. I would not like to see myself. <laughs> but when they're watching themselves, they actually like, and this is very comedic, right? A great setup punchline. Yeah. This is going to be fun. And it's not. Yeah. And then they have this beautiful moment where they say, I love you. And I was literally crying, crying into my laptop. Like I felt, I felt their love and I thought it was like very good. And all of this stuff is like way more nuanced than we're seeing. And even when like a queer show comes out, yeah, it's not this nuanced. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really fucking good. How many gloves would you give it? I thought that, if we're just giving gloves out for the writing performance and the stories of the queer part of this season, I would give it four gloves. I loved it. Maybe even five. I like thought that it was mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to rate it. I'm going to rate it as a show uh-huh. with queer elements and I give it a four. Yeah. I thought it was, I think it's an amazing show. Very well written. It's getting better with time. Season yeah. three is the best season. But in this yeah, I guess we should rate it as a whole show, but this these queer characters I like so much. Yeah, I agree. And I think that the show is actually very funny. Yeah, it's funny, and we got to see more than just, oh, hey, our lead character's roommate is queer. Yeah. We saw their... Relationship build. Their, and into who they are and back in time, and like mm-hmm. I think that is like much more fun to watch as a queer person. Agreed. I love it. I love you. Next week, we're reviewing Hacks on HBO. Make sure you check it out. And also, go follow our fucking girl, Hannah Einbinder. Yeah. She's a diamond in... Did we ever post her episode? No. Uh, hysterical. <laughs> Maybe we'll get her on one day. Yeah. Maybe, you know, what we should do is do Jeopardy with her. Yeah. Let's get out of here. I've had so much fun. I'm Rachel Scanlon. I'm Mackenzie Goodwin. Go do something gay today. I'm in love with you. We are the greatest dykes in the world. Mackenzie Goodwin. Rachel Scanlon Worldwide Dykes for Life